Welcome to Zero, I'm Oscar Boyd. Methane is one of the most potent greenhouse gases we pump into the atmosphere. We extract it in huge quantities and burn it to power everything from household boilers and kitchen stoves to giant power plants. And during that process, tens of millions of tonnes of methane gets leaked into the atmosphere, driving climate change. It's a huge problem, but a problem that is relatively easy, cheap and quick to fix. Stopping methane leaks has been described as one of the lowest hanging fruits in the fight against climate change. So for this bonus episode of Zero, I'm catching up with Akshat Rathi to talk about the methane problem and how it can be solved. So very quickly, let's just start at the beginning. Could you outline the methane problem for me? So most of the time we talk about the climate problem as a carbon dioxide problem. And that's right. About three quarters or more of the warming is because of carbon dioxide. However, a good chunk is because of other greenhouse gases. And the largest bit of that is from methane. The trouble with methane is that it's many times worse than carbon dioxide, ton for ton. How many times worse? The calculation is a little complicated because methane, once put into the atmosphere, degrades much, much more quickly than carbon dioxide does. And so scientists calculate it over a period and they measure it in something called the global warming potential. So over a 20-year period, methane is more than 80 times worse than carbon dioxide ton for ton. Over a 100-year period, it's about 25 times. And that tells you something, because most of the warming that methane causes, it causes in the first 20 years. And if you cut those emissions now, most of the benefits you would get from cutting those emissions will also be within the next 20 years. And that's the net zero timeline we are operating on. So it's a big problem, but it's a problem with the potential upside. If we take action now, it will show relatively quickly. What are the main sources of methane? So about 60% of methane emissions are because of human activity and 40% from natural sources. Within that 60%, about 40% is coming from fossil fuels. So stuff that we extract from the ground, transport and then burn, at every point in that chain, some of it gets leaked. That's also the bit that can be very easily fixed. And in fact, the International Energy Agency calculates that if you actually fix those leaks, the fixing of the leaks will pay for itself. The other sources from human activities are more complicated. So there's agricultural methane that comes from rice production mostly. Then there's methane from livestock rearing. So a lot of cow burping, laughable, but really it is a big problem. And there is methane emissions from landfill. So food that you put in the bin, which is not composted properly, does get degraded and not just produce carbon dioxide, but actually produce methane too. So if we come back to that first most easily tackleable source of methane emissions, which is from the fossil fuel industry, which countries are contributing the most to this at the moment? From oil and gas, it's the big producers. Russia, US, Turkmenistan, which is a big gas producer, but also a big leaker of gas. There's also methane that leaks from coal production. And China, which is a big coal producer, well, the largest coal producer, also is the largest emitter of methane from coal mining. Roughly how much are these countries emitting in terms of tons per year? So China is about 25 million tons, Russia around 20 million tons, the US around the same, uh, Turkmenistan smaller, but still, I mean, 5 million tons, that's a lot. So how are these methane leaks actually being monitored? That's complicated because it's a colorless, odorless gas. And to monitor them, you need special equipment that typically is some form of camera that can look in the infrared. 
So there are methane hunters. These are just people who are worried about these methane leaks who take these cameras and go around oil and gas facilities to see if there are leaks. And they often find those leaks. But of course, we've got hundreds of thousands of places where we are extracting oil and gas. And that means you can't do that labor-intensive job for every site. So the second stage is to put something in the air. Typically a plane that's burning fossil fuels, putting CO2 out, but at least it's looking at methane leaks from the sky and is able to point out where there may be big leaking events happening. And then the final frontier is satellite measurement, which is more emissions friendly because it's not producing any CO2 as it's looking at these methane leaks, but then it's so high up in the sky that the resolution is weaker. That means the type of leak it can catch is often a large leak. And so combine all of those and we get a picture of where the major sources of methane are. It's something that Bloomberg News has been following quite closely on all levels of measurement, but especially on satellite measurement, because many of the stories that our colleagues have done, Aaron Clark in Tokyo especially, have resulted in investigations from government regulators. Once you have this data, you've picked up a leak, either somewhere on the ground, one of these methane hunters going and finding it, or from a satellite up in the sky. How easy is it then to actually stop that methane leak? If it's a major event, then it's often quite easy because all you have to do is really just stop the flow of the gas, investigate what's gone wrong and fix it. The more persistent and hard to measure leaks are smaller ones. And those require companies to put in the effort and technology often to come up with a way to find those leaks and then fix them. But this isn't cutting edge technology often, right? It's just upgrading the infrastructure to more recent, less leaky pipes. Indeed, it's more sort of motivation that if companies really want to do it, they can. And the International Energy Agency says so, that there are enough technologies available to actually deploy these solutions today. Is it a case then that individual companies who are extracting fossil fuels are just in charge of monitoring these leaks? Or are there more concerted international efforts to try and actually crack down on these leaks and make the progress that's needed? Most corporate emissions in most parts of the world are currently voluntary disclosures. That means the way the companies measure it, estimate it, calculate it, is all based on rules that the companies and the groups have decided on their own. But as the urgency of climate change and the science around methane has become clearer, governments have stepped up. So we got a big announcement at COP26 in Glasgow in 2021 when the Global Methane Pledge was signed. Today, we are officially launching our methane pledge. And we're proud and happy and grateful that over 80 countries have signed up. This is fantastic. Together, these over 80 countries commit to reduce global methane emissions by at least 30% by 2030 from 2020 levels on. Alongside that, a UN body launched a methane emissions observatory, which will use some of these tools like satellites to spot places where methane emissions are happening and help the countries that have made the pledges to actually meet them. So the news is starting to tighten just that little bit, but could go a lot farther, a lot quicker. And are we actually seeing specific action being taken as a result of these pledges? The oil and gas industry is starting to talk about it, even tout it. So Sultan Al-Jabbar, who is the president of COP28, but also the head of ADNOC, which is an oil and gas company, has said that oil and gas companies should have zero methane emissions by 2030. Now, this is backed up by 
government pledges, which are looking at reducing all emissions from methane by 30% by 2030. Some of them have put those uh, pledges into law, like the European Union has done. There are certain rules expected from the US Environmental Protection Agency that will help reduce emissions. So it's starting to happen in many different places. And it is in some way a concerted effort because there is a global goal, but it requires monitoring from independent actors because it's not a given that these things will happen. So say we do actually manage to stop all the methane leaks in the world. What kind of impact would that actually make? So this is going to be numbers heavy, but stick with me because it's worth it. Reducing methane emissions associated with just the human part by 50% over the next 30 years will avoid global warming by 0.2 degrees Celsius. Now, if 0.2 degrees Celsius sounds small, well, the difference between 1.5 degrees Celsius and 2 degrees Celsius is 0.5 degrees Celsius. So it's a really meaningful fraction of the warming that could be avoided with a pretty reasonable reduction in methane emissions. Now, let's take the Turkmenistan example. Our favorite new country? Run by a very interesting dictator who you should read about on Bloomberg.com slash green. But if that country is actually able to stop the leak, use that methane and even send it to the European Union to burn, the reduction in emissions would be the equivalent of 290 million tons of CO2 every year. And that's the emissions of Taiwan which is the 21st largest producer of greenhouse gases. So we're not talking small numbers here. And Turkmenistan's not even the biggest offender here. If Russia, China, the US could all do the same, that impact would be ginormous. Absolutely. We started this off by saying that stopping methane leaks from fossil fuel extraction is the kind of easiest, cheapest fix that we can undertake. How much harder is it to tackle the other human sources of methane emissions? That is harder, but there are solutions. So on rice production, there are methods you can use to reduce methane emissions from rice production. Use less water is one of the solutions, which also would be a good solution for the water crisis that many of the same regions are facing. Uh, there are also solutions that are being tested on cows. So they are being given different types of feed or there are additives that are given to the same type of feed that reduce the production of methane from the microbes that sit in the cow's guts. All of that will contribute, but it's much, much harder and will be more expensive than actually what fossil fuel companies can do by stopping leaks. And then finally, you said about 60% of all the methane emissions in the world right now are from human sources, which leaves about 40% from natural sources. What can we do to reduce those emissions, if anything at all? Not very much. The natural sources are those which actually might be made worse because of climate change, because they come from places like wetlands, or they may come from the melting of permafrost in the Northern Territories in Russia or Canada, which have been, well, permanently frozen, but climate change will warm them up and cause the degradation of the underlying carbon into methane, but also CO2. And that's why, because you can't stop those natural sources, ensuring that you slow down warming, period, will allow you to slow down the emissions from those natural sources. So it is a self-serving argument in a way. Stop the methane emissions from human activity and, of course, stop the greenhouse gas emissions writ large from human activity. And then you can manage the methane emissions that come from natural sources. Akshat, thank you very much. Thank you, because methane was one of the first stories we got onto here at Bloomberg Green after its launch in 2020. 
And it's really been a fruitful exercise because the more we've explored it, the more there are solutions and the more actions are being taken to reduce methane emissions. Thank you for listening to Zero. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can email us at zeropod at bloomberg.net. Zero's producer is me, Oscar Boyd, and senior producer is Christine Driscoll. Our theme music is composed by Wonderly. Special thanks to Aaron Clark and Kira Benjamin for their help on this episode. We've linked to some of Aaron's wonderful investigations into methane leakages in the show notes. We'll be back with a regular episode on Thursday. <laughs>